The book of Lamentations, chapter number 3. The book of Lamentations, chapter number 3. We've been studying on the fruit of the Spirit, and we're, we're going to spend a couple of, couple of Bible studies on faith. We talked about the faithfulness of God to forgive us, and the faith we have to have to ask Him last Wednesday night. Tonight we're going to talk about a little bit and, and look in God's Word to, to explore our faithfulness to Him. Several years ago, and I say several, it was when I was in high school, there was a, a, a happening in the Middle East where a bunch of Christians ended up over there and, and they, they showed a video of it. You could watch it online. They didn't show it on TV. But it was all over school, and, and everybody asked the question, what would you do in that situation? And, and they had these Christians knelt down here, and, and they said, curse God, or we're going to cut your head off, or, or denounce your God, or something like that. And they commenced to cutting heads off of, of the missionaries that were over there. And I'm sure it's done throughout the country, and the, and the pagan, and the, uh, the government-enforced places. But it really stuck with me that the majority of those people, the ones that they showed in the video, never did give up. They knew that if they, if they didn't denounce their God, if they didn't denounce their faith, that they were going to be killed. They knew it. And yet, they were faithful to God. And so the question that arose, and a lot of folks said it pickingly because we don't even understand what it's like to be in that type of situation. We we can't fathom that, or at least I can't. What would you do in that situation? And the first place I went was to my Bible, and I found a, a couple of instances where people were in that situation. And, and it wasn't extraordinary people. It was people that God used in an extraordinary way. It was people just like you and me that, that defied the... I say defied the odds. They didn't because God was with them. But they defied society. They defied the, the government. They defied the leaders. They defied the ones who were trying to defy their God. And throughout that, throughout their experiences, they remained faithful. And the question arose when I was studying this is, why are we faithful to God if we are? And we're going to get through that tonight is, is why... Are we faithful to God? Lamentations chapter 3, we're going to read verse 22 and 23. Lamentations 3, verse number 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many wonderful blessings of life that you've given us. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, for your mercy toward us. God, we thank you that you're a, a never-changing, a, a God that's faithful to us regardless of the situation and the condition that we may find ourselves in. God, I pray that you'd help us so we could see that in a greater light. God, help us so we could be more faithful to you. God, help us so we would never forsake you, that we would never denounce you. God, even that we wouldn't uphold ourselves and conduct ourselves in a way that would be unpleasing to you. God, help us so we could crucify ourselves, God, that we might live for you on a daily basis. God, bless throughout this service. Bless the kids, the teachers in the back. Be with them in a special way. Thank you for all you've done for us. Forgive us for we fail you. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Here, uh, I came across these verses studying 
And it kind of rang out with me because today in, in year number 2021, we are not consumed because of the Lord's mercies. That's, that's the reason. That's the reason we're here. That's the reason we hadn't been drowned under. That's the reason that there's, I'm not going to say any, because there were some pastors thrown in jail for, because of the corona. And, uh, from what I see on, on Facebook and the kids talk about at school, there was one in Canada thrown in jail this week. But we as, as Christians are not consumed in this country. We are not annihilated. We are not gotten rid of. We are not in danger of our life for worshiping God because of His mercies. Because of, because of His mercy on us and His mercy on the lost that are around us. That it's our job, that it's our responsibility to minister to. And the Bible says in verse 23, they are new every morning. Talking about the mercies of God, and, and there's a colon immediately following that. And unless my eyesight's failing me, it could be a semicolon. I've had some trouble with allergies today. That pollen follows that, that ice storm, something fierce. But the, the next phrase there is, is what we want to look at a little bit tonight. And, and here the writer says, Great is thy faithfulness. And, and we sing a song that says, Great is thy faithfulness. And, and we, we talk of, often about how faithful God is to us. God has never been late for us. He, he just happened. That the song goes in time, on time, every time, right? God is, isn't late for us. God shows up when he needs to. God don't show up empty-handed. He shows up with exactly what he needs, exactly what we need. God don't show up dragging. He don't show up lazy. He don't show up underdressed, if you will, ill-prepared. Whenever God shows up, he shows up to get the job done. Because not only is he faithful, the Bible says, great is thy faithfulness. Flip over to 2 Timothy and keep your Bible open. We're going to do a little flip-flopping tonight. 2 Timothy in chapter 2. 2 Timothy in chapter 2. We know, or we should know, I had to stop assuming, but we know that God is faithful. We know that God is faithful to us because of the, the blessings he's bestowed upon us. Because of His only begotten Son, He sent to, to die on a cross for us. Because of the way that He has dwelt with us mercifully and continues to each and every day. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 11. It is a faithful saying, for, we, for if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we suffer, we also shall reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. We know that God is faithful. Well, we know that as a fact. And today, they, when I was in school, in the elementary school, they, at junior high school, they taught us that there are things such as scientific theories and scientific facts. Scientific theories are things that have not been proven. Scientific facts are things that have been proven and will remain unchanged throughout time. As much as we try real hard to put our faith in scientific fact. We can't put as much faith into that as we can into God. Amen. The faithfulness of God is a scientific fact. It is something that has been proven by Christians down through time. It is something that God has proven in our life. It's something that God proves to us each and every day if we'll take the time to look at it. Is that He is faithful to us. Whenever we mess up, whenever we mess around, whenever we get in trouble, whenever we get down, whenever we get discouraged, God is faithful. He's, he's not going to leave us. We can stray away from Him. We can... We can wander away from him, but, but God's not going to wander away from us. God's not going to sleep. He's not going to take a vacation. Whenever we call on him, he's going to be there. 
that not only is he omnipotent where he can be with me and then he can be with you if you're on the other side of the country. God don't take breaks. He's there with us even whenever we don't think about him. Even whenever our mind is not on him. Even whenever our mind is asleep. Even whenever we're unconscious. Even whenever we're droned out going wherever it is we're going. God is with us all the time. And tonight I want to ask each and every one of us a question and, and please don't answer me. It's between you and God. I don't want anybody to holler out loud. But are you faithful to God? Am I faithful to God? Being faithful to God goes a long way. Lord willing, maybe later on this year, I've been doing a lot of studying on the church covenant and some of the scriptures that it comes from. But in the second paragraph there, it says we engage to maintain family and secret devotion and religiously educate our children to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances. And that goes right along with the commission that God gave us. He told us that, that we're to go to all nations, but that don't exclude our family. It said we're here to, to teach and to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And that don't stop with just me and you. That, that don't stop with Africa or Asia. Sometimes it, it starts right here. It says in, in the Bible that we're to, what, what's body? It's monogrammed on pillows everywhere. My mama's got one in the closet somewhere. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. We're to, to maintain family and secret devotions. We're, we're to maintain our time with God. That is part of being faithful to God. Prayer time and, and having a strong and healthy, I, I use the word healthy, prayer life is us being faithful to God. If we don't have a, if we don't have a healthy prayer life, if the only time we eat is on Sunday, we're going to be weak. If the only time we pray is on Wednesday, we're going to be weak. If the only time we pick up our Bible is to come to church, then we're not going to be strong enough to withstand what this world is going to bring. We're not going to be strong enough to withstand the, the, the training that God is going to put us through to make us stronger. We're not going to be strong enough to be faithful to God. It's not going to happen. The Bible says that, that we're to put on the armor of God. In order to do that, we have to read and study our Bible and have faith in Jesus Christ. We're not going to dive off into the armor of God. But whenever Jesus was tempted of the devil, what did he use to fight? He used, a, he used a scripture. That's exactly what he used. Whenever the devil comes at us, I can't hit him. I can't do it. I, 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 I can't punch him. I can't hit him. I can't shoot him. I can't stab him. Because he don't come at us. <laughs> And like the, the pictures as with a forked tongue and a pitchfork and red horns. He comes at us the same way he came at Jesus. What did he tempt him with? Tempt him the same thing that First John tells us to be wary of. Lust of flesh, lust of eyes, and pride of life. That's what he tempts us with each and every day. And if, if we're not studied up, if we're not prayed up, and, and preachers use that phrase all the time, and it makes an awful lot of sense to me. Being paid up on bills means that, that you are solid. It means that you are there. It means that you have nothing else to worry about whenever you're paid up on your electricity bill. If we are studied up, that means we have been faithful in our study. 
the amount of time that I spend studying and the amount of time that you spend studying, no doubt is going to be different. The way that I serve God and the way that you serve God is no doubt going to be different. But God's going to let you know whenever we're falling short. God is going to let me know whenever I'm falling short. I'm going to know whenever I'm not praying enough. I'm going to know it. I've known it. I know whenever I'm not reading and studying enough. I know whenever I'm being unfaithful to God. I know whenever I'm missing opportunity He gives me to present His Son to lost and dying world. I know that I'm missing opportunities because He lets me know. The Holy Spirit, what? Bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Jesus said it's a comforter and a guide, a teacher. To be faithful means to be full of faith. Faith full. In order to be full of faith, then we are prayed up, we are studied up. Faith, being faithful, just like being saved, creates a radical change in our life. Whenever I say radical, I'm talking about the, the difference in, in turning on a light switch. Being faithful even after we're saved, can somebody be Somebody be saved and be unfaithful. Can somebody be married and be unfaithful? Yes. All day, every day. Somebody can be saved and be unfaithful. Can somebody be a, a churchgoer every single service and be unfaithful? Can somebody be a deacon and be unfaithful? Somebody be a Sunday school teacher? Can somebody be a preacher and be unfaithful? Can somebody be somebody who praises Jesus all day, every day and be unfaithful? Being faithful is so much more than singing praises to God. That's part of it. And it is a beautiful, wonderful, awesome part of it. One of my favorite parts of it. But it's not all of it. Whenever we get saved, we have a desire to learn the Bible. To read, to study, to, to educate ourselves. But it seems like that it don't take very long after salvation. And, and I've been saved a, a number of years, not near as long as most of you in here, and I'm not calling anybody old. But it don't take very long for that, for that fire to dwindle if you don't feed it. If you don't throw, uh, and, and Brother Trey Jenkins put a, a, a Facebook video, it was just a few minutes if you get an opportunity to go watch it. And it was titled, Throw Another Log on the Fire. Because if we allow our fire to dwindle, if, if we allow it to to kind of sit there and smolder a little while, then it's not going to be as bright. I use the, the scripture in Matthew often that our, our light should be bright so that the world can what? So that the world can see Christ through us. So that they can glorify the Father which is in heaven. That's the reason our light should shine. That's the reason we throw another log on the fire. That is the reason that we are faithful to God. And being faithful to God includes singing and praying and studying and witnessing and encouraging. Whenever I first announced my call to preach, I had several invitations to go and to preach. I went to churches all over the place I didn't even know existed. And it was very, very discouraging to me how many did not have any kids in them. It was extremely discouraging to me how many that I went to that I was the youngest person by 30 years, 40 years. One church almost 50 years. And it was very discouraging to me because years ago, 
I would hear about these places. I would see pictures of them. I would read about them in the voice of faith. And they had a packed house. But whenever people become unfaithful to God in any aspects of their life, then it not only begins to affect them, it begins to affect the church. Amen. In the book of Acts, it is emphasized over and over and over again. And I know I harp on it, but it, that word means a lot to me. The Bible says to be of one accord. Be of one accord. And if we are not faithful as a congregation, then the church is going to struggle. And I thank God for the amount of encouragement that our kids receive here. I thank God for the amount of attention that the kids here get. And I want you all to know, and I feel like you do completely and totally, it's not like this everywhere. It's not. Amen. Brother Jason Skipper shared a picture on Facebook. and I don't mind bringing it up because it was 100% accurate. And it was how to kill a church. It was like six easy steps to kill a church. I don't remember all of them, but a couple stood out to me. Prioritize everything else over the service. When there's a baseball game, go to the baseball game instead of the church. Whenever there's a, a pretty day and you want to go play golf, go to play golf instead of going to church. Prioritize anything else over the service of God and you're killing the church. Amen. Start incorporating things other than the Word of God and minimizing the Word of God in service. I heard a man say one time, and he was a pastor, he said, I don't want nothing no kind of games at my church. It's all about the Word of God. I don't think there's anything in the world wrong with games at church as long as they do not overshadow in any way, shape, form, or fashion the Word of God. I don't think there's anything in the world wrong with cooking at church. We argued about this when I got to college. A, a professor, he always cooked, and, and his name was Dr. Murphy. He was a fantastic barbecue guy. He always cooked for everybody. And, and a guy asked him one time, he said, Doc, don't you think that everybody ought to come just to hear the Word of God? He said, those that are, saved, are unsaved ain't going to come just to hear a Bible study. But they'll come to eat, and then we'll tell them about God. The man was, was very strange in his ways. He was a hard, difficult teacher. But he was an excellent Christian in my eyes, as long as I was at that university. Because he cared about the people there. He still, still cares about the people there, even after they're gone. He wanted them, and he was a member of the First Baptist Church. He wanted them to be exposed to Jesus. And he spent a pile of his own money cooking them ribs to be able to tell them about Jesus. He was witnessing to them people. He fed them and got them there. Bill Gaither says, I catch them, God cleans them. That's the song. If we don't minimize the word of God, then we're remaining faithful. The minute that we begin to, to take all these other things and and begin to push the Word of God, begin to push the service of God, begin to push singing and worship to the back burner, prayer, studying, whenever we begin to push these things and try to make room for other things, that's where we get in the wrong. And I thank God that this church is not there, but there's a lot of places, there's a lot of people that have. During the coronavirus, we were having, it was right at the beginning, we had just started Facebook service at Bible Baptist, and it was the third or fourth Wednesday night. I was out in the yard working. And come 6.30, still wasn't dark. It was almost summertime. Come 6.30, I was still out there working. 
We had been virtual or, or on Facebook for two or three Wednesday nights. And I forgot what time church was. Come 6.30, come 6.45, I was still outside working. Come 7 o'clock, I, I looked at my watch on my phone. I don't even remember. And I realized it was church time. Because we weren't going to church, because we weren't traveling to the building, I knew that I could do work. And because I did that, I, I pushed the service of God to the back burner. I did. I said, well, I can, I can get around to it. I can watch this service. Even if I'm a little bit late, I can watch it tomorrow. That's pushing the service of God to the back burner. Whenever we sit down and watch Netflix or, or direct TV or whatever it may be, rather than reading and studying, whenever God tells us that we're to be reading and studying, that's putting the word of God on the back burner. Whenever we begin to, to hang out with other people and, and you've heard the phrase, you've heard the phrase whenever you lay with the dogs, you get fleas. 1 Corinthians 15, 13 says, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. I thought that was a very intelligent way for Paul to write that. Evil communication corrupts good manners. You think the kids are the only ones that give in to peer pressure? You think the kids are the only ones that have peer pressure? How many, how many excuses do we have to not come to church? How many excuses do we have to not read our Bible? How many excuses do we have to not pray? How many excuses do we have to not talk to other people about God? Whenever we use those excuses, we are becoming unfaithful. There are folks in our own families. There's folks that used to make it to church. There's folks that make it to church every great once in a while. And it's not that they're being totally and completely unfaithful. It's that they slip one, one piece at a time. Johnny Cash sings a song. He said he built him a Cadillac one piece at a time. And the devil ruins lives the same way. He ruins them one piece at a time. He carries them out in their big lunch box. He sneaks them out in their buddy's noble home. And he carries them out one piece at a time. He attacks our life five minutes at a time. He attacks us with one busy thing after another to cause us to be unfaithful. Whenever Daniel was told he could not pray anymore, what did Daniel do? Daniel spent more time on his knees than most of us probably do. And they told him, Daniel, you're not going to pray anymore. Or we're going to throw you in the lion's den. Daniel said, oh, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Where'd he go? He went right back and prayed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was given multiple tries, multiple chances to bow before the music. Did they? They never did. David was standing there with Saul watching Goliath defy the armies of Israel. This one man defy the armies of God. He said, I'll go. Nobody pushed him. Nobody told him you ought to go. But he was seeing a, a Philistine. He was seeing a heathen. He was seeing a, a person that was being used of being used of Satan, if you will. Defying God's people. And whenever he got that rock, what did David do that very few of us ever get to do in our life? David ran into trouble. It said that he ran. He ran because he was faithful. 
He ran because he knew God was going to take care of him. He ran because he was studied up. He ran because he was prayed up. Flip over to Romans chapter 12 if you would. God makes a change in our life whenever we give our life to Him after salvation. The cathedral sing a song. I listened to it before we came, before we got in the car and headed to churches. The name of the song is called He Made a Change. And it's a beautiful song, and I like any song that's got a bass singer in it. And it says He made a change in the way that I'm living. All things, old things passed away. Behold, everything is new. He made a change in the way that I'm walking. He made a change in the way that I'm talking. If He can make a change in me, He can make a change in you. That is not only referring to lost people. That's referring to saved people that reevaluate their life. You know, that's what revival means. That's what revival is. It's a change in our, in our minds. It's a change in our attitude. It's a change in our character. It's a change in our faithfulness. Romans in chapter 12, verse number 2 says, be not conformed to this world. 1 Corinthians said, be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. Paul here is warning them, uh, even here at the church of Rome, saying, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your minds. The renewing of your mind. By the revival of our faithfulness. If we have slipped, if we have failed in our faithfulness, guess what? We have a God who is faithful to forgive us. He will allow us to transform our life once again by renewing our mind, by renewing our faithfulness. I haven't renewed my wedding vows yet. I feel like mine are still kind of fresh. But people sometimes renew their wedding vows because they're going to renew their love. They're going to renew their commitment. Sometimes we need to renew our commitment with God. Sometimes we need that in our life just to just to sit down and talk to God a little while. To commit to Him a little bit greater. To commit to Him a little bit better. To ask God to help us to, to value Him in a greater way. Our God, and, and I'm not going to say our religion because I don't like using the word religion. Our faith should be the most important thing to us. And whenever other things take a back seat to that, flip over to James, if you would. Chapter number four. Whenever other things take a back seat, then that means we don't value our faith the way that we should. James is without a doubt my favorite book in the Bible. and He talks a lot about faith. Excuse me, James 2. He talks a lot about works. With faith. It's hard to have one without the other according to him. In James 2.14 he says, What is the profit? My brother, no a man say ye have faith and have not works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of your daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needed to the body. What does it profit? James is not my favorite because he's sarcastic. But that really helps. This verse right here speaks to what we see religion as today. This speaks to what a lot of televangelists live. If we have faith, 
And we don't, what's them two magic word math teachers hate? Prove it. If we don't prove it, if we can't prove our faithfulness, then what have we done? Verse 17, even so, faith, if it hath not works, it is dead being alone. If we can't prove that we are faithful to God, then can we really say that we are faithful? God proved he was faithful to us. Continues to prove he's faithful to us. If we would just open our stubborn eyes and see it. But throughout the remainder of this week, the upcoming weeks, especially leading up to our revival, let's prove our faithfulness to God. Let's renew our commitment to Him. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that if we deny Him, He'll deny us. If we're unfaithful to Him, we'll suffer for it. God has been faithful to us. Jesus died for us. Why can't we live for Him? Why can't we be faithful to Him? Oh, we'll have a verse for something.